step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. You're listening to the BBM Global Network with 25 years in broadcast audio and video production. Our passionate team creates content and marketing for the world of Internet talk radio. If you've got a passion, come join us at BBMGlobalNetwork.com. The BBM Global Network. Your voice is now heard. Welcome to MD for Moms with your host, Dr. Carly Snyder. Traditional psychiatry, integrative medicine, or just someone to talk to, Dr. Carly is here to provide moms with personal solutions so that they may experience whole body, mind, and well-being at this most extraordinary time of motherhood. Now, please welcome the host of MD for Moms, Dr. Carly Snyder. Welcome. You are listening to MD for Moms on the BBM Global Network and iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Snyder. I'm a reproductive and perinatal psychiatrist, meaning I work with women struggling with emotional symptoms throughout their reproductive years. I also have three kids of my own, and maybe I can blame one of them for bringing home um, some bug that has infected my my throat. So I'm going to apologize in advance because I don't sound so great. Um, it's always easy to blame my kids, right? Um, it's probably not their fault, but why not? Anyway, this show, MD for Moms, is dedicated to helping women enjoy life more, to maximizing health and wellness, and to improving women's relationships with themselves and with others. So I'm going to remind you throughout the show, you can give us a call, ask any question, live on air, 866 451 one four five one, and we are continuing our Mama Docs on Call series, where I introduce you to physicians who are moms like me. They're here to provide information and support that's geared to you and your family. And we have a really awesome guest today. Dr. Heather Hammerstadt is kind of—I think she's the real-life equivalent to Wonder Woman, and I'm going to tell you why. She is the founder of WhoList Health, which is a lifestyle medicine company, and it's really changing the old school approach to medicine, and we're going to learn how and why. She's also the co-founder of Global Emergency Care, which is it's revolutionary. It is so interesting and great. We're going to learn all about it. It's a nonprofit working in Uganda, training non-physician health clinicians to provide medical care to those who need it most. And in her spare time, she works as an ER physician and she has a family. And that is why I think she's a modern day Wonder Woman. 
and or she has figured out how not to sleep. Either way, she's amazing. <laughs> um, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So, yes, I actually have super or Wonder Woman socks with capes on them that I like to wear on my emergency medicine shift. So, uh, a little bit of extra support. <laughs> yeah, I don't know thanks how so, you do thanks everything. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> like, well, I have an amazing husband who stays home with our two small boys and provides a lot of support so that I'm able to, you know, task shift and do all the things that I'm passionate about. Well, that's amazing. <clears throat> so yeah. let's first discuss lifestyle medicine, and then we're going to talk about global emergency care, both of which I think are so, you know, obviously they're really different, but I think they're both really important. And I think in their unique ways are really changing the landscape of medical treatment um, in great ways. So what is Wholist Health? So it's actually Holist um, oh, is how you pronounce yeah. it. And yes. Um, yeah. So, so um, sense, I get, yes, I, for, yeah, exactly. So I am, um, let me just kind of phrase, I guess, the first, the thing that sort of pins all the things that I do together is that I'm really an impact oriented person. And I find emergency medicine and lifestyle medicine um, both to be very um, it kind of fits in that impact-driven kind of viewpoint. Because when you're in emergency medicine, obviously people are there because they have real or perceived emergencies and they need you in that moment. And you have an opportunity to fix the problem that they have, stabilize the problem that they have, or get them to someone who can. And that's what I love about that part of medicine. And lifestyle medicine is really the, the backside of that, is that, that opportunity to take the moment when someone is ready to make big sustainable lifestyle changes in order to create their healthy futures and really make an impact in that moment. And so um, that's kind of how I see the two of them fitting together. Um, and so, yeah, so lifestyle medicine is a new um, specialty in medicine where anyone at this point, anyone who practices medicine and has a board certification in another specialty can go through a certification process for lifestyle medicine. And what it is is really just using the evidence behind food and sleep and exercise, mindfulness and mindset and kind of the mitigation of risky behaviors to really uh, prevent and reverse disease. And what it's getting at is the pieces of medicine that we all missed, right, that we were never taught. I mean, did you have any nutrition teaching in medical school? No, not really. I mean, beyond I think, like, I mean, like, don't eat McDonald's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And actually, I think, fr or frankly, what I think about like exercise physiology? You know, we had we had minimal. I mean, I think, and in truth, I think a lot of what we were taught, I think a lot of it is passe now. Yeah. Um, and a lot of what it comes down to, and things that people that we're learning about food. So let's let's talk about food for a second. Is that you know, is it really the reason why a lot of us are overweight or struggle with weight problems is purely hormonal, right? It's like a hormonal dysregulation. And we've done that to ourselves by the choices of what we're choosing to eat. Um, but when we were in medical school and we were taught about these hormones, right, about insulin and how, what it does with, you know, uh, glycogen and storage and, you know, all of these things that we were taught, we were taught in a purely biochemical way. And it was never even mentioned that it would, you know, that could affect you know, the future of your, not just your weight, but metabolic syndrome, diabetes, 
um, heart disease, all these things that we, you know, now know um, in lifestyle medicine. And it's, it's really exciting to be a part of this kind of new wave of medicine. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I think it's such an important thing. As you said, we didn't learn it. Um, I think some of us are interested. And I think I, I've always found it interesting. Ask, you know, and we don't have the answers. And people look things up and then they don't know where to look. And I think a lot of people get the right. wrong information pretty quickly. Um, yeah. So, so that's why I founded Holist. And so Holist is a, a consulting and coaching company based around lifestyle medicine. Um, it's mostly all kind of virtual online stuff so that I can access more people. And really what I'm trying to do is kind of help busy professional women transform their lives with real knowledge and information so that they're not like just like you were saying, just like nitpicking random information off of the internet that you don't know if you can trust is really getting like the evidence, the education, the empowerment and the implementing tools to be able to change the way they're eating, change the way they're exercising, you know, change their mindset around their value and, and how they can create their healthy futures for themselves and their families. And I do that through 12 week um, transformational coaching programs that are all uh, you know, virtual and online. I have coaches that work with me um, that are like really amazing. I, we have weight coaches that are dietitians and doctors and nurses, and then we also have mindset coaches. Um, we have a life we have a life coach, a hypnotherapist, and a meditation guide that work with our um, clients as they go through their program to really get at those reasons why they haven't been able to make um, sustainable change in the past. And it's just really, really fun to watch all of the progress um, that my clients are making. Um, I also do telemedicine consults as well here in the Northwest where I'm licensed in Idaho, California, and Oregon. Oh, how cool. Now, do people hold themselves accountable? I mean, like, I always think of, you know, Weight Watchers and the at least their old model where people had to go in and do weigh-ins and things like that in terms of accountability. But when you're doing a virtual program, you don't have any, there's no really accountability beyond to yourself. Um, how do people? Well, that's why we have coaches. So it's a, um, we have a group program, but we also have a personal program. And so your personal coach every, so the way that it's, I have it set up, let me back up. It's a 12 week program. Um, every day you get a podcast sent to you on weight science and mindset around food. Um, that's about 10, 15 minutes long that I curated, um, based on, you know, science and research and all the evidence that we have. Um, and then, um, also text messages throughout the day, documents and kind of templates for you to create your own, um, protocol with your coach's guidance. And then once a week you have a tele telehealth, basically like a video FaceTime kind of, um, conversation with your coach. Um, but there are weigh-ins um, that you can either do on your own scale and you type it into a form that gets uploaded into our computer system so we can track uh, for you. Um, or you can use a wireless scale that we like to use. We like to use the Fitbit ARIA scale that integrates right into my telehealth platform so I can kind of watch and see how everyone's doing. So it holds people accountable really well. Now, what about someone who's not overweight but is, you know, because God knows we all know people who are not overweight, but they're also not healthy. Can exactly. they yeah, so get involved? What I have found, absolutely. What I have found really, really interesting about this program, I've been, it's like we've been going about 14 months now, is that um, there are three sets of people who come in and just absolutely kill it. There are people <laughs> who are overweight and need to 
lose weight and they're finally ready and they're action takers. Those people are doing amazing. People are usually down 10 to 12% body weight um, by the end of the 12 weeks. Um, and then the second group of people are people who just want a better relationship with their food for health purposes, whether they're unhealthy now or whether they just know that they're missing something. And the perfect example for that is one of our coaches, Kathy, who's my personal trainer. In fact, she just made me lift really heavy things and I can't barely mm-hmm. lift my arms up. <laughs> but she's a, one of our weight coaches. She's also a dietitian. She obviously like did not need to lose weight, but she came through the program so she could learn it to become one of the coaches. And she uh, just this morning told me, I think it's been a year since I've been doing this and it's changed my life. And I asked her why. And she said, it's because she used to think she had to eat every two hours. And she was constantly like thinking about like having a bar and doing this and what she was going to have and all this stuff. And it was because she wasn't feeding herself the right healthy food and she wasn't staying full long enough. And she was just constantly feeding herself. And when you do that, you don't have the opportunity to let your hormones just rest and kind of get back to where they need to be and, and let your body do what it's supposed to do. And now she can go, you know, six, seven, eight hours of training clients and she doesn't even think about eating. And it's just like, she's just, it's just totally changed. Like a dietitian, personal trainer's like whole life. Um, so that's those folks, the people who really want better food relationships and understanding do really well. The third group of people that I have found are athletes that are trying to get to their next level. I had a couple um, semi-professional cyclists come through the program who, um, you know, changed their composition of their body instead of losing weight and really got to meet some really good goals um, for their um, for their program. So that was those three sets of people are all doing really great. And certainly I, I would love um, to anyone who fits in those categories to come join us. That's so cool. As a runner, I'm always, I'm always up for getting into a next category. Although right now the notion of running is so right. foreign. <laughs> oh, right. yeah. Walking is not my friend right now. Um, yeah. Now, what about, now do people have to be otherwise in good health um, to start the program? Meaning obviously being, you know, we all know that, there are a lot of comorbid illnesses associated, not always, but, you know, there's a high um, likelihood of, you know, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, yep. all of these things, which actually improve with weight loss, but can, you know, are not always well controlled. Is it uh, part of the program to have any of these kind of monitored or under control in advance or anything of that nature? You know, there have been a couple of times where I have communicated with people's physicians kind of on our mutual request, just to make sure that they understood what we were doing. um, And then I understood kind of what that person was dealing with so that I could, you know, help them more efficiently. Um, But we don't do really do any monitoring of any labs or anything like that beyond weight. What we're really doing is just, changing your food right and you can do that regardless of your health status that makes a lot of sense well we have to take a brief break you're listening to md for moms on the bbm global network and iHeartRadio. i'm your host dr carly center and we are speaking to dr heather hammerset and after the break we're going to look at what is treatable like what's going to happen when you use a lifestyle medicine approach what can happen to your body and your mind 
We're going to find out. Did you know that your beliefs create your entire reality, but it's the subconscious beliefs that do most of the creating? Belief Shifter and Life Coach Shiraz can help you identify those limiting beliefs and eliminate them, often in a single session. Like it was almost instant, like I had relief right away. Creating better health, relationships, careers, and finances. Let Shiraz help you step out of safety and into awareness. Definitely something's happening. Uh, it's like a, a flow inside. Yeah, it feels good. Whether in person or online, Shiraz provides personal coaching, belief shifting. Visit Shiraz at energeticmagic.com or call 416-529-7429. Energetic Magic on the BBM Global Network, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Find your greater happiness. Be well. Be aware. Be magical. French Rastafarian baker Chef Ugmat is a fourth-generation baker and has worked in 11 countries across three continents. Born in Mulhouse, France, he began apprenticing in his father's bakery at age 12 and has devoted his life to learning cultures of the world from inside kitchens across the globe. He also teaches traditional French baking by hosting demonstrations and classes, and his passion for baking is reflected in his delicious confections. With a deep respect for discipline and his Rastafarian way of life, Sheikh Uvmat exemplifies commitment to tradition and culture in a global world. Traveling extensively and combining a myriad of flavors into his recipes, Chef Ugmat brings a unique approach to baking. To read more about the French Rastafarian baker, visit www.frenchchefoug.com. That's H-U-G-U-E-S. Bon appétit and bless up. Welcome back to MD for Moms on the BBM Global Network and iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Center, and we are speaking to Dr. Heather Hammerstedt. And if you have a question, you can give us a call, 866-451-1451. So, Holist Health, if you are doing it, right, and you start off either, you were saying that like the categories, you know, either someone's overweight or they could be an athlete, Right. I mean, so, I mean, these are really different categories, obviously, of people. How can someone expect their body to change over that 12 week period, given that those two people are coming at the program from presumably if you look, if you in your mind's eye, think of those two people, the visual is going to be drastically different. So like what, you Mm -hmm. know, what kind of expectations can people have for a program like this? Well, so the people who are coming in to lose weight are going to slow, like slowly lose their weight over the period of time. Everyone's different, right? You have a, a man who comes in who's 215 pounds is going to, you know, lose their percentages and a lot different than someone who's 140 pounds. Um, so that that portion looks different. Um, but what's the same for everybody is um, the the cha- if you change the way that you're eating, your approach to thinking about eating. Um, and the types of exercise that you're doing, you are going to not only change your body fat percentage, you're going to be sleeping better, your, your mind is clearer, things with work and family is easier. It's, it's really interesting that when you stop clouding um, your mind with added sugars and um, refined carbohydrates and are concentrating on you know, good percentages of healthy fats, um, plant-based proteins, um, and mostly plants, 
um, that things really do pretty drastically change. Those athletes are, uh, are able to um, sleep better, um, improve their muscle tone and endurance, um, and to uh, concentrate more on fat burning um, and using their um, glycogen and fat stores uh, in a different way um, during their, their um, actual athletic performance in a different way. I will say I, I've been a vegan for like basically forever and I never did it yeah. for, uh, you know, athletic purposes. But as it turns out, it, I think it probably really helps my running. Um, yeah. I've you know, it, I, it makes it easier for me that it didn't actually, I didn't have to give anything up. It's kind of nice. Um, right. Whereas my husband every year is like, He's a little frustrated when he's like, oh, I'd really rather eat some bacon than whatever it is. But he kind of cleans out his diet a bit when he's training. And then he goes yeah. back to eating whatever. Um, now, well, the you, thing is, though, is that, like, you can, be, you can be a bad vegetarian, right? I mean, I always think back on my brother when he was a vegetarian. He basically ate chips and drank beer, right? That, that's just a chipitarian. You're not a vegetarian, <laughs> right? Like, you actually have to eat plants <laughs> to be right well no that's true and you can so you can be unhealthy and be a, and be a vegan or vegetarian because you're you're still eating processed foods they just happen to not have meat and dairy in them and so Especially what we're now. talking about in exactly what we're talking about now you know what i always tell my people is it's like if it comes in a box like try not to eat it right we're talking about whole foods that means that the, everything that that food grew with has it in it, right? You haven't processed it all out. And the way that we think about it, I think it's a good way to describe it is, you know, wheat is grown as like a wheat berry, right? And it's like physically looks like a little berry. And then by the time we have smushed it all down and gotten rid of all the bran and the germ and the fiber and processed it into that flour, the only thing there is that simple carbohydrate that breaks into glucose really quickly and spikes up your insulin. And then your body panics and starts storing things into your fat cells and into your liver. And so if you're, you're, if, if you ate the wheat berry, right, then it had the fiber and the bran and the germ to kind of help you process it in an entirely different way. So what we have done with what we're the way that we're processing our food and the, what we're choosing to eat is just changing the biochemical processes of our bodies and making it work in hyperdrive all the time and if you just imagine your hormones you know working all the time you know they don't ever get a break and so that's why we're talking about not just what you eat but why you eat and when you're eating it um, in order to let your body kind of get take just take a vacation right yeah get back to uh, what it knows how to do it makes a lot of i mean it makes a lot of sense um i mean i, I think it makes it, it just it, intuitively it makes sense um now you mm -hmm. call yourself a health curator what is that yeah well, I just, because I, I, I just, I think we're all better together. Right. And I'm never going to say that I have all the answers. You know, I've come up with some pretty innovative uh, coaching programs, which I'm really happy to share. But what it comes down to is that we all still need other information. Right. So that's why 
I went out and I find the life coach and I go out and find the hypnotherapist and I go out and find different people who have different approaches to how to coach because I know that other people are going to get along with that person maybe better than me, right? Or I know that there's products out there that people have that are going to be healthier for my family. I don't know what those are, but what I want to do is I want to find them all and bring them all together so that we can all work together and to be able to provide those services to people. So what I'm trying to use Holist for in a way is for people to know that they can come to me and trust that I'm going to find products or services or people that kind of fit in the Holist uh, ideal, which is um, how unprocessed can we be? How botanical can we be? How, um, how, how results driven can we be? And can we still use evidence to realize that you know to make sure that those things are useful and they're not a bunch of you know hand-waving uh goop style stuff you know (laughs) so that's what i think a curator is it's like it's letting it's 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 me using my kind of knowledge to help bring other people together so that they can get the results that they need now how did that thought process come out from the medical model because they differ, right? I mean, in medical school, residency, that's not the, I mean, the evidence-based component, yes, but Mm -hmm. it's not really the thought process that we are inherently taught. Right. So I have a long, as you can probably imagine, a long history of putting my hand up for opportunities. So um, when I was in medical school, I went to Temple Med in Philly, and I took a um, a once-a-month, year-long course in New York City at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to learn to be a, like a health coach. Um, and so that was, you know, really eye-opening for me. Um, I also spent um, a fair amount of time in medical school in India learning about Ayurvedic medicine. Um, which was really amazing. Um, and after residency, I went to residency at Harvard. I stayed there and taught for a while, got my master's of public health uh, there. And while I was doing that, I took a medical acupuncture course for a year. And so I've always just had all these interests in like the ways that other people approach medicine. Cause like I said, I don't think we, I mean, we clearly don't have all the answers. No. And I, I'm not saying that those people all have the answers either, but at least it's an opportunity to figure out what works there and bring it into my own practice. And that's kind of where Holis came from is that, you know, and I was thinking to myself, you know, what, I, so I had a hip injury, right. And I had, to, I created my own team. Like I was like, or I got my personal trainer. I have the physical trainer. I've got the massage sports therapist person. Um, right. Like, how am I going to fix this? And I was trying to get them all to talk to each other and they wouldn't talk to each other. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense like why why can't we all amplify each other's results right so part of holist is that i really want to come up with a way to create that network that these people can all talk to each other without judgment and so big picture is that i would love to have um a you know clients come to us and we find all the people in their community that they need on their team and everyone shares the information behind the scenes on the telehealth platform so that we can all see what everyone's doing and really kind of get the results that that person needs. Because we don't do that in medicine. You know, conventional medicine, we are just so siloed um, mm-hmm. that I think that that is like part of the reason why we professionally are burning out because we don't have relationships within our, commu- our physician communities, but also why our patients are 
frustrated and not getting the results and getting sicker and then also um, not trusting us um, and looking outside of the conventional medical system for care in ways that may harm them, you know? I mean, I agree with you. And I'm always very, I, I, so I'm think I'm really lucky that I work within an like informal, you know, it's not a literal network, but you know, there are, there's a group of reproductive endocrinologists and in, and, and more um, conventional endocrinologists and a couple OBGYNs and myself and acupuncturists and, we all work in rheumatologists and we all work incredibly closely. We, we all go out to dinner together um, and we share patients and our patients really love it because we will call one another or text and be like, yo, I just saw so-and-so she's okay. You know, or she's not okay. Here's what you got to do. You know, if someone gets pregnant, it's always funny because if I send someone to a fertility doctor and the patient gets pregnant, it's always like, you know, a debate who's going to tell me first, either the fertility doctor or the patient. Right. <laughs> but it's unfortunate really that it's such That's a really, really unique. Yeah. yeah, it's really unfortunate that it's so unique because I think, as you're saying, that kind of um, uh, kind of continuity of care is... I think what people were thinking would happen when you had an electronic medical record, it just never happened. Right. Which yeah, is really... We're just spending more time staring at the computer. Yeah, exactly. And hurting our backs from looking over. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> from, you know... So this is... Your program's fairly new. Yeah. Um, we, I started it January 2018. So 2018 was a crazy year of production, just like me writing and researching and um, ex- experimenting on my husband at first. <laughs> wow. He lost 40 pounds, so he was a good pilot project. <laughs> wow. Um, and, um, and yeah, and so then 2019 has been really great because so the programs are all, you know, up and running and I we have um, tons of people doing really, really well. The, the coaches are just crushing it. And um, I have a lifestyle medicine course for physicians that I wrote that's also um, active. Um, it's an eight-week um, virtual course of basically podcasts and um, documents and assessments and tools to use with clients so that people can come in from any type of um, medicine. They don't necessarily want to certify officially like I did um, just to get the information. So that's out there as well. So and it's fun that to watch so, it all going. That's awesome. Well, we have to take a brief break. You're listening to MD for Moms on iHeartRadio and the BBM Global Network. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Center, and we're speaking to Dr. Heather Hammerstead. And after the break, we're going to talk about global emergency care. Don't go away. Global Glory. That's the work of Dr. Marina McLean, COO of Global Glory, whose calling is to serve God. A first-generation British-born Londoner of Jamaican descent, Dr. McLean inherited the hunger for the word from her father, who was a Bible teacher. Growing up, her home was filled with missionaries from the Caribbean islands and America, and she She travels the world preaching the gospel. She has a Bachelor of Arts degree in theology and an honorary doctorate of divinity and Christian counseling from Friends International Christian University. Dr. McLean is also a songwriter and recording artist, and her songs are written during summits and conferences in the presence of God. 
She's recorded three worship albums to date and is in ministry for 28 years alongside her husband, Dr. Rennie McLean, who shares her passion. Visit www.globalglory.org or on Facebook at Global Glory. Call 866-244-5679 and feel the glory. If you seek a courageous advocate, prepare to champion your rights with consumer service agencies that support aging populations. Carol Ann Hamilton is the one for you. Carol Ann is an elder care coach, author, and speaker with a quarter million hours lived experience successfully supporting unculpable aging parents. As a result of a challenging journey, Carol Ann revolutionizes how stressed out caregivers restore serenity to their worlds. She also brings over 25 years of change management expertise in Fortune 500 settings to catalyze urgent transformation within the elder care industry. Carol Ann is a popular speaker at conferences across North America. She has appeared via TV, radio, and print globally. Now you can tune in weekly to get a dose of her inspiration plus down-to-earth advice to cope with even the most difficult aging parents. Listen Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on Bold Brave Media and TuneIn Radio. Welcome back to MD for Moms on the BBM Global Network and iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Center, and we are speaking to Dr. Heather Hammerset. And I want to remind you, you can give us a call. 866-451-1451. So we're going to switch gears and tell us about global emergency care. This is, I was reading about this. I was so inspired by this program and I just want to encourage all of our listeners to go check it out. And if, you know, and to donate, I think this is really, you're, you're going to hear about the program, but I was just I have to say, I thought it was reading about it, I was just incredibly inspired by everything you've been doing. So tell us about it. Yeah, sure. So um, Global Emergency Care is a 501c3 nonprofit that we founded in 2007. And I'll tell you our background story here in a minute. But um, basically what we do is we um, build capacity in emergency uh, medicine in Uganda, mostly rural Uganda. Um, meaning that um, we teach uh, emergency medicine mid-level providers, so non-physician clinicians, um, how to provide emergency care. And we're also supporting the development at a national level of the emergency care education system. Um, so I'm an emergency medicine physician. Um, I trained at Harvard at Beth Israel Deaconess um, in Boston and um, graduated in 2007 and did my Master's of Public Health in 2008 at Harvard as well in international health policy. And the main reason why I did that is because I had gone to Uganda in my third year of residency as a elective with a friend of mine, Martha Zanzo, um, who had spent a little bit of time there. And we ended up um, in a very small um, hospital called Nachibali Hospital in, um, in rural Uganda. And um, as emergency physicians, um, pretty quickly realized that there was nobody um, triaging or seeing patients. Really, the doctors and clinical officers often wouldn't even see patients for an average of 26 hours on arrival to the hospital. So oh. there was like a security guard at the front at the front uh, gate with like a giant gun who was like, you look like you should go to the male medical ward. You look like you should go to the female surgical world ward. And they would just go sit there and the nurses would just like not have, they wouldn't do anything because they wouldn't know what to do. And so obviously people were leaving or they were dying or they were getting sicker or whatever was happening to them. And so 
Um, we, you know, naively were like, well, we'll with another um, two other emergency physicians, we're like, we'll just build an emergency department and then everything will be taken care of. Right. And so we, as you said, you're a runner. So am I, we ran a couple marathons, raised a bunch of money, built an emergency department there the next year. And then we're like, wait, who's going to work here? Right. <laughs> like, these are how these things happen. So, um, so I went and got my master's of public health, um, so that we could figure out, you know, what, what was it that we, that we needed what was it that we could bring to the table to help um, create emergency medicine in Uganda? Because there was, there was not a single physician trained in emergency medicine. There was no emergency nursing courses. It just wasn't happening. And so people who don't do what I do don't realize quite so uh, clearly that it, it, you know, obviously it's its own specialty, but it's a very unique way of approaching things where sick versus not sick. What do we have to do right now? What can be deferred? Um, you know, well, how can you, um, use what little resources that you have um, to kind of fix the problem that you have. And if you don't have that mindset, you know, people are not going to be seen for 26 hours, right? Or you're not mm. going to notice that someone, you can fix something with something that you can. So, um, so international health policy at Harvard helped kind of us figure out a framework of what we wanted to do. And we um, wrote a two-year curriculum and um, started initially at that little hospital um, training, as we call them, emergency care practitioners. Um, we've been doing this now, like I said, for and it's been almost 11 and a half years. Um, we now have, which was always our goal, kind of worked ourselves out of a job, right? And so first I was providing the care, and then I was teaching someone how to provide the care, and then I was teaching someone to teach someone how to do it. And now we're administrating people who are administrating the pro the program, right? So it's really been fun. And a lot of the, you know, at this point, um, uh, all of our courses are, are the programs all taught by our graduates. Um, and it's been really awesome to develop those relationships with so many people over so much time. So the way where we are now in 2019 is that we, our program has been adopted by the national government um, and is in is currently being operated out of one of the universities and we are transitioning um, trying to transition as best we can a lot of the administration over to to them so that they can run the program as they see fit um, and additionally have helped um, support um, the beginning of uh, two physician residency programs in emergency medicine as well and so um, lots and lots of travel and time and country and um, writing and um, trouble spotting and um, meetings with the government and and here we are and it's really exciting that's amazing that's really and I, I would think so the the issues that are being treated by these providers they are I should let me rephrase that. What are they like? What are the emergency? What's the emergency care primarily being given? Um, how does it differ, yeah. for example, from here? Um, so, I mean, people come in with uh, a lot of the same complaints. So, actually, when you look at the global burden of disease data from the World Health Organization um, in um, developing countries or low-income countries, um, they are now starting to see non-communicable diseases 
um, as as much of a killer as communicable disease. So we've always thought of like, you know, Africa infectious disease, right? It's kind of our, you know, standard um, bias. But really what we're still seeing hypertension, stroke, heart disease, we're seeing all those things in a lot more um, a lot more volume than we did even 10 years ago. So that, again, is what we talked about in our first segment, lifestyle, right, as the Western kind of mm-hmm. processed foods and things like that come into their worlds, um, they're starting to look like us. Um, but people come in with belly pain, they come in with headaches, they come in with road traffic accidents, as they call them there, they come in with all sorts of trauma um, there's a lot of, uh, there is a fair amount of diabetes. And then they also have, um, you know, a lot of, um, there's a lot of kids. So we are under five population is huge. And so those kids are coming in with the regular cough, cold things, but they're also coming in with malaria and typhoid and dengue and, um, and things like all those infectious diseases that we don't see in this country. Tons of cerebral, cerebral malaria, um, oh. it's just, um, that, that is a big portion. When someone has a fever there, they, they, you know, it's not like we're like take Tylenol and it'll be fine. Like we do to our kids. <laughs> so a whole other things to think about, but what's been interesting, what was the big, I think the reason why we're so successful in our program and why, um, we've shared a lot of our kind of data and curriculum with, um, other organizations and companies, um, but, the reason why I think we're successful in having those providers be so safe and caring for people, even when they don't have a physician readily available, is that they are taught to do the things that they have the resources for, and they're not taught other things. So we don't bother to tell them, we don't bother to teach them how to treat pulmonary embolism because there's no heparin or lovenox in the country, which is the treatment for that, right? Or we're not teaching them to intubate and defibrillate when someone goes into cardiac arrest because they don't have a ventilator or they don't have a defibrillator, right? So, but they do know, um, you know, this person walking in the door probably looks like they might have HIV and they're confused and febrile and they need a lumbar puncture and they need antibiotics. We need to send these tests. They need these fluids. Um, they know, you know, this person has abdominal pain. I know how to use the ultrasound. I've diagnosed an ectopic pregnancy. Now I call the obstetrician, right? So they're, they're, they're taught like real emergencies, how to differentiate what's emergency, what's not, and how to use their resources that they're able to do it. But we're not like filling their brain with all sorts of things that are not going to be useful for them in their current situation. So that begs the question. So let's say someone comes in and does have a PE. Is that their recourses? That's when they call in. That's when they call for backup. I mean, they don't leave that person yeah, just so to the hospitals that they work in. They have um, general surgeons and they have a pedi- the the bigger hospital. The training system is in now has a pediatrician, obstetrician. The smaller hospital has. Um, general medical officers who finished medical school and did a year of internship and are um, and are working in the rural areas, and so those folks obviously have a lot different skill set. Um, the the if someone comes in with something that they can't fix at our hospital, it's very unlikely it's going to be fixed anywhere else. Um, I have a very clear memory of transporting someone in the middle of the night. Um, in a dangerous situation um, to because she had an open skull fracture and I thought I was going to be able to get her somewhere where she was going to be able to be cared for and I got there and there was nobody there either. So um, 
it, uh, unfortunately, people die where they wouldn't die in this country. <laughs> so and if someone had a massive PE, they would just die, you know. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to see when we know that we could fix someone in, in, in a different situation, for sure. And do they, you know, routine obstetric care? How about that? Are there midwives? Um, there, are, are they... there are midwives out in the community. Um, the people, but people do come to the hospital to have babies, and they do C sections. We do all they do all their surgeries under, um, usually under spinal and in with ketamine infusions. Um, really, and uh, yeah, it works pretty well. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's funny. Like I, I have a recollection um, from a handful of years ago of being in the maternity ward and they have an antipartum room where women who've had C-sections before or had obstructive labor before they come for a few weeks before their babies are born and they just like sit there and wait because <laughs> really really? they want to be, because they want to be in a place where they can, you know, ha- safely have their baby. Right. Because it's, so there's a lot of maternal mortality in the, in the communities for sure. I guess it's better there but than you, like waiting. You know? I mean, Exactly, because if you you know obstruct your labor in in the village, you're not getting you're not going to get into care. You're you're probably going to die. You know. Oh, it's amazing the the risks and and the things people worry about. I mean, dehydration is also a huge issue in terms. Of, I mean, with children and things that people that we here take for granted. You were saying Coumadin, heparin. We don't, you know. Yeah. You you have a DVT, you deal with it there. It's a much bigger issue if you end up with a PE. It's just amazing how privileged we are here. We don't even always, I think often we don't actually appreciate it. Um, We have to take a brief break. You're listening to MD for Moms on iHeartRadio and the BBM Global Network. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Center, and after the break, we are going to learn how to get involved with global emergency care. Stay with us. Are you stressed? Is your stress driving you crazy? Do you know there are many ways to relieve the stress? The Spirit Within Massage and Hypnosis Clinic does just that. Reduce your stress plus so much more. Established in 1997, the Spirit Within Massage and Hypnosis Clinic offers an approach to wellness. For those individuals who choose to either utilize appropriate complementary methods to enhance their current medical care, or to those individuals who are on their personal journey toward improved health and wellness through the use of therapeutic bodywork, Reiki energy healing, or hypnosis. The Spirit Within Massage and Hypnosis Clinic is owned by Dr. Judy Dean, a registered nurse and board-certified massage therapist and medical hypnotherapist in LaPorte, Indiana. Visit www.spiritwithinmassage-hypnosis.com to see all services offered by Dr. Judy. For a free personal consultation, please call Dr. Judy Dean at 219-326-1380. The Spirit Within Massage and Hypnosis Clinic, 219-326-1380. Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? After 13 years of research, Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally. She now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child. The definition of recovery is to regain health. Karen offers this to you in four stages. Healing the gut, 
natural heavy metal detoxification, balancing the co-infections of autism, brain support, and repair. Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. Empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it. Welcome back to MD for Moms on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio and iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Sainer, and today we are speaking to Dr. Heather Hammerstedt, who's, I'm, I'm just going to call um, Superwoman from now on. I think that's a fair <laughs> assessment. Um, now, what would listeners likely find surprising about medical care in Uganda compared to the U.S.? I mean, we were just talking about some things, but, you know, is there anything that you're, people would be like, wow, that is shocking? Well, I mean, as I, just, as I said, I mean, I think that really understanding that it's not just the rural areas who have little resources in places like sub-Saharan Africa or Southeast Asia. So it's not, it's not that like just our tiny little hospital in Nachibale didn't have emergency medicine, doesn't have a vent, um, doesn't have a defibrillator, doesn't have antibiotics sometimes. It's often you go, I would go to Kampala, which is the capital and go to the um, the company that has all the medical supplies and they would be out of blood pressure cuffs or be out mm. of standard antibiotics. And so it's not just that like that you could, if you were somewhere rural, that you could just go somewhere to the capital and then get the care that you needed. Not to mention that you're paying for all of that out of pocket because there's no insurance. And so um, it's really, it's uh that's why we're we are so passionate about providing our um, our services in a in a relatively rural place, so that people can get safe and effective emergency care, um, even there. And our goal is to train enough emergency care providers alongside of the emergency physicians that are being trained, so that the physicians can be in a place that are that is busier. Um, may need more, you know, critical thinking and dis- differential diagnosis kind of mindset. And the emergency care practitioners may be more rural, providing great basic emergency care um, and be able to communicate back with those physicians about things that they that may be more complex. And so that way, I kind of think of it like a spoke in a wheel sort of thing so that more people can have access instead of trying to figure out how they're going to transfer us you know, their own sick grandmother, you know, um, a hundred kilometers to a hospital somewhere, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and something that's surprising about, about the nonprofit world that people don't understand is that, um, nobody wants to fund anyone to administrate anything. Everyone wants to fund, um, you know, getting that little baby antibiotics, which is great, you know, but like, we have um, it's just it's just really difficult to get um, in, even international kind of funding agencies to um, to fund um, the actual operations of programs, um, and it just really hand ties the whole 
nonprofit and kind of charity world in terms of what they're able to do because we spend so much time fundraising and trying to ask for money and write grants when we could be providing more services. And it's, um, it's, it's a really difficult um, kind of catch-22. Um, so for us, we have um, very lean um, in, in United States uh, administration. We have one, our, I used to be executive director. I stepped down last year, um, and now I'm just on the executive committee as the co-founder. Uh, we have an executive director, Tom Neal, who's our, a full-time um, work for us. And then in country, we have emergency care pr- practitioners that we pay. We have two research teams. Um, who collect uh, data on who's coming into the emergency department, what they're coming in with, and what their 72-hour follow-up um, re- you know, outcomes are. Um, we've been doing that since we opened the first, like, the first Excel sheet of the first patient that walked in when we opened the doors. Um, and because of that, we have, I think, almost, I'm, I'm, I think almost 90,000 people in our wow. database, which is, we think, the most comprehensive database of acute care presentations in resource settings like that. Um, so we, that takes money to like, to do all of that, to like administrate the programs, to do monitorings and evaluations, to hire people, to do the research um, and to teach the courses. And, um, and so it's a constant struggle for us is like, where, where is it best putting our time, right? Is it best time for me to write up a publication from our under five mortality that, you know, that is important information to get out there in the world so that they understand what's happening and what we can do about it? Or should I throw a fundraiser? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, um, it's a constant conversation. And so for our listeners who want to support you guys, how can they do that? So you can go to our website at uh, www.globalemergencycare.org. Um, we are also on social media. Facebook is a global, um, at Global Emergency Care. And then on Twitter and Instagram, we are at Global Emerge Care. Um, so you can follow us along there. Um, but also on, through the website, you can find that there is a page that says Donate, and you can donate there. Um, or you can also choose to be a monthly sustainer, meaning that you can choose a small amount that you want to, that we will um, get every month um, from you uh, to kind of help us move through the year. And that's how you can find us. Additionally, we have um, physician volunteers that come on a monthly basis. And so we have residents and attendings in emergency medicine who um, stay in this lovely little house that we have and help uh, um, teach our programs for a month at a time. And so that's another way that they can get involved if you're a physician. Oh, that's so cool. Pretty sure you don't want a psychiatrist, but that would be so cool. In another life. Um, I mean, that sounds like a lot of, um, that just sounds like an amazing experience to be there. Um, I really encourage everyone to check it out and, you know, donate, give. I have to imagine money goes really far. It does. Um, It does go really far. And we are very stingy with how we spend it because we know how hard it is. Um, to raise it, and we know that all of our money 
comes from small family foundations and from, um, you know, people who know and trust us and gave us their hard-earned money. And that's the thing that people also, I think, is really important to know is that, like, is that if you're not a doctor and you can't go to Uganda and provide services, like you providing the time or the, or the money of, uh, to let other people to do that is just as valuable. Um, additionally, if you have expertise um, that you think that could benefit a, a small nonprofit like us, whether it's marketing, whether it's accounting, whether it's, um, you know, any sort of in-kind, you know, some way to make us more, uh, you know, efficient in our board management, any of those kind of expertise, we would be happy to take in-kind donations um, and advice in that way as well. Well, amazing. Well, thank you so, so, so much, Dr. Heather Hammerset. And also, how can people find Holist Health? Yes. So um, Holist is at www.holisthealth.com. That's W-H-O-L-I-S-T health.com. I'm also at Holist Health on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I um, have free discovery calls um, every day with people who are wanting to learn more about our coaching programs or consultations with me. Um, And I'm happy to do that with anyone. You can set that up through the website um, or or by messaging me through social media. And again, that's Holist, W-H-O-L-I-S-C. And um, I love making an impact on people's lives, um, whether it's through food and sleep and exercise and mindfulness, or whether it's through emergency medicine education. And I'm really thankful for you for kind of letting my voice get out there and and let people know that they really have an opportunity to, to curate their own health futures by the choices that they're making today. So thanks so much. Well, thank you. This has been so great and so educational and informative. And I mean, I I just think it's been a really great show. Remember, if you missed any of the show, you can always download it as a podcast on iTunes, along with prior episodes. This has been an episode of MD for Moms on the BBM Global Network and iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Sider. Until next time, be well. Enjoy life and thanks for listening. You've been listening to MD for Moms with your host, Dr. Carly Snyder. Please join us each and every week for answers to the many challenging issues moms face today on the next episode of Dr. Carly's MD for Moms. You've been listening to the BBM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily the ideas, views, and opinions of the BBM Global Network Company. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.